0: looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Many of you have heard the illustration that Carol and I, I don't know where we got this, someone gave it to us, it's a little tiny, dinky, ceramic bank. And it's the kind you, you put little money in a little slot, and there's a little... A rubber cushion at the bottom, you kind of unplug it and you can take the money out. But what this little bank is, is two people that are so poor that the bank is a barrel. Have you ever seen the old-fashioned cartoons when you're so poor you have to wear a barrel? How many have seen something like that? But on, si- on the outside of that bank, there's two people, a guy and a gal in there. I guess they're married, hopefully. And it said this on the outside, at least we have each other. And so we looked at that and said in our relationship that no matter what goes south with the kids or economy or health or ministry or whatever, no matter what happens, at least we have each other. And so that's part of the devotion, the padlock part, that makes it say, okay, since we can't get out of this thing, let's make this thing work in some measure. And I know some of you are saying that's easy if one wants to do it and the other one doesn't. And I know that. And I know that's tough. There have been times when Carol and I, usually me, When she wanted us to go in a direction, and I didn't want to do that, and she was committed, and I wasn't as committed. And I know that pained her a great deal. But I'm so glad that I had people in my life, like I hope we are to you, that that's still not an option. You need to make it work, and it is workable, and you can make it work. Number three, loyalty says we reaffirm our love to each other. We reaffirm our love to each other. Now we're talking about showing sympathy, hearing their feelings, but we're also saying I'm devoted to you. Now that could be in marriage, but it could be in any relationship, a roommate that some of you might have. It could be a family member, a brother, a sister, a parent that you're struggling with. But at least you're saying to each other that I want to reaffirm my love to you. We really aren't enemies, and why are we fighting? It's like the old statement, Houston, we have a problem. But the problem isn't us, it's something that's happening within this. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to speak to some of you that are demonstrating your discomfort with one another with words that are tearing each other down in front of your kids or in front of unsaved people in your family or neighbors who have listening ears or people at work that are listening to you on the telephone scream at your mate. I don't know where it might be, but let me just speak to you for a moment. If it is in front of your kids... It could cause your kids to begin thinking, I wonder how authentic mom and dad are when they say we love each other or even when they go as far to say we're devoted with one another and yet they hear us screaming and yelling at one another. And maybe that's not your way. You might not scream and yell. Your way might be to send the signal that you retreat into a period of quietness and you shut down. And so we'll call that passive aggression because that's what counselors would call it. But in any measure, you are sending a signal that you don't like X, whatever it might be. And I would like you to know that your kids, believe it or not, you think they don't hear you, especially when you say, would you walk the dog, clean the cat box, take the garbage out, pick up your clothes. I know they're listening. Because all you have to do is whisper to your mate and say, I think think at Christmas we're going to go to the mainland and we're going to go to Disneyland. You can whisper that and they'll hear that in school. They just have good ears. Now that being said, you can imagine kids who desperately need stability in their own life that around them the world is like this, And then they hear the two people that purport to have stability are now yelling at each other, especially when they hear that their friend's parents have been breaking up or have broken up or that's all happening. And so now you've got a domino effect, a spiral down into the family. And so let me just encourage you that should you have those bad hair days or bad hair moment and you begin to send out those negative signals, negative energy to one another and those kids are picking it up, you remember very quickly to reaffirm to your mate and to your kids that there are things that sometimes we don't agree with each other but we really do love one another and we really do care and yeah we're having this discussion and we need to sort this out and make it right but son daughter friend we're gonna make this thing work and maybe just having those kids knowing that they're listening to you that might be enough of a governor to kinda give you a little wake-up call to think about how this thing might be happening to you so Remember, divorce should never be an option. Here's the fourth thing that loyalty says. Loyalty is accepting each other's differences. Loyalty is accepting each other's differences. When I say that, it's because I do believe that we do have differences. And yes, opposites do attract. And I think some of those things are what really help you. Uh, Let me give you a couple of uh, general illustrations about how it might be. For example, let's say some of you are picky perfectionist types. I'm sure you're probably not. But let's say you are picky perfectionist type. Those that like to have excitement and do a lot of stuff and they love people and they love a lot of activity. They don't like details. They don't like all the little tiny boxes. But they love to be married to someone like that because they'll take care of making sure the taxes get paid on time, the bills are paid on time, all the little things are done. They'll have all the details taken care of. Those outgoing people, they love people like that. And let me tell you, those people that like all these little details, they like outgoing people because when they have to go around other people, They don't like to do all the talking, so they're glad they're married to someone who will do all the talking for them. You follow me? And so it sounds really good. The problem is people who talk a lot sometimes exaggerate, and they don't always tell the exact same truth. And by the end of the evening, the person who went with them that's quiet is thinking, did I go to the same place this guy went to tonight? You know, they don't understand all of that. And so now you have the rub going. Look, if you will, at the verse I've given to you here. It's Romans 15, 7, coming out of the New American. It says, accept one another. Just as Christ also accepted us. Now, there's a difference between the Lord approving us and accepting us. Now, you got that? I hope you remember that. He doesn't approve of the sins when we're lying and cheating and using anger and all the things that are wrong and manipulation and intimidation with other people or for any sin. He will not approve of that. But at the same time, it says He does accept me and all my idiosyncrasies. In fact, it's interesting that word accept in the Greek actually means to welcome and what's the opposite of welcome? The opposite of welcome is shut the door, lock the door, and hide. And he says, no, I shouldn't shut the door, lock the door from that other person. Not necessarily I have to confront with anger, but I should talk this out and be more welcoming. If I wrote this in a, in a Hawaiian Bible, I'd use the word, he alohas one another. He accepts one another. There's this love, there's this we're in this together kind of attitude. And so I hope that that might work for us that different people are going to have different things and to maybe celebrate that difference that they might have and to realize that they are going to have differences. There's a great uh, theologian. He didn't realize he was a theologian and a behavioral scientist, but he really had something extremely profound to say. His name was Rocky Balboa. How many remember Rocky Balboa? Some of you are too young for that. Rocky Balboa is that famous Rocky movie. And for a little trivia, do you remember Rocky's wife's name? It started with the letter A, Adrian, right? Actually, it wasn't. His wife's first name was Yo, Adrian, if you remember that. Let me go back to this. Here's what he did say. And I believe this fits beautifully in the harmony of God and the way he's made his people and why we need to celebrate the differences. Not the sin, but the differences. It was written into the script this. Rocky said, Yo, Adrian, you've got gaps. And i got gaps. But between us, we ain't got no gaps. And there's a lot of truth in that. I have gaps. Carol has gaps. But when we're willing to get on the same page, then we have no gaps. And those of you that know anything about synergy, you know that one plus one is not so much two, but it's, it's three and there's more power there. And so what you want to do is come together and celebrate your uniqueness. As I look over our life and the times of Caroline, different personalities, different gifting, different way we look at life different parts of the country you come from, that type of thing. Yeah, there's been some differences, but I have to tell you there's been nobody better for my life than Carol. Some of you think I'm pretty stubborn and pretty driven and all of that. I have to tell you that I'm putty around Carol. Say yes, honey. Okay. (laughs) But the point of the matter is that there is a degree of complementing each other. It's saying, I've got faults and you've got faults. But you're a pretty good egg. Even though you're somewhat cracked. But I really do love you. Can you now get past some of those things? Now, if that person has violated you in some way, some horrible way of violation, and you can fill in the blank. Make sure it's a biblical violation. It's just not that it's a different preference than you like. And all of a sudden, you put them up into this pedestal of having them to perform in an unrealistic expectation that you have of them. I hope that's not the case. So, if you will, just take a moment and you have the poor and the great. Are you good at showing how loyal and devoted to your mate you are? And then you circle it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then, if your mate was to be asked, or your roommate, or the people that you're living with, would they feel that they're donated or uh, devoted to you, or they're loyal to you? And put a box around that and see what you might be able to work with. It might help you. Let me give you number three now. Number three, it's the word compassion. Compassion. The first is sympathy. The second is the word devoted. And the third is compassion. Here it says loving one another with tender hearts. That's, that's kind of cool that it says that because so many times we think, yeah, we're to love one another. Yeah, love each other. Yeah, we should love one another. God is love. I should love. That's all good. But I love it when Scripture decides to open up the concept of these great truths. And now it doesn't just say love one another. It says love one another with a tender heart. I think sympathy talks about, I understand you, I understand your feelings and I'm going to connect to who you are and your feelings. Compassion says a little bit more, I am now going to take my love and I'm going to put working clothes on that love and I'm going to do something for you to help you, to serve you, to lighten your load. In fact, I like this term, compassion. You've heard me say it before. Com means with, passion means to suffer. That's where you get the, the passion of the Christ, the movie, the suffering of Christ. So passion is suffer and com is with. So it means to suffer with. And for that moment, what you're saying is, this person has a need, they're in pain, they need me to come alongside them to lighten their load in some way. So in a sense, your identity, whatever they're going through, all of a sudden you're going through, whatever they're dealing with, you want to deal with it with them. So just for a moment, get ourselves out of ourselves and reach out to them. Now there's two ways to do it. First is what we say, and the second is what we do. So let's talk about what we say. If you will look back at your notes again, and here's what you read from Ephesians. How am I going to demonstrate love with a tender heart? Compassion. Here's what it says, don't use foul or abusive language. Now when you read that sometimes you think, well that must mean profanity, well certainly it would, we're going to take away from that, but on the other hand, language that would be in any way demoralizing, demeaning, or destructive to the other person. So the negative is don't use abusive or foul language. Then it says, let everything you say be good and helpful. So now the question is, you might in your own heart think that it's good and helpful, but if that person doesn't see it, then what you're doing is loving them with a tender heart but not with sympathy. So to do it with sympathy means you understand their feelings, so now you've got to reframe your words. You've got to speak their language. Then it says, so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear. So in other words, it's to build up the other person, not to tear them down. So are your words, are they verbal arrows? When you talk to them, do you dip your arrows in honey before you shoot them? Have you considered the following, the timing of when you're going to talk to them and the tone in which you do it so they know that there's compassion behind it, love? And number three, the technique. What is their language? What do you stay away from? What are some buzzwords that you know immediately they'll throw up the wall? So what are the things that you can do that might help them out? All right, secondly, so one is your words. The second is how you would act toward them. There are things that need to demonstrate it. For example, I could tell Carol, I can say to her, you know, because I'm supposed to say I love her, I could say to Carol, I love you. Now, I said the words, didn't I? But my tone was way off, wasn't it? I could say, I love you, honey. And she says, would you please take the trash out? The, the, the fence doesn't close tightly, and it's way on the other side of the house, and it's raining over there, and I could say, oh, honey, I love you. I'm so sorry about that trash. I know it's hard for you to do that. I feel your pain. I'm committed to this marriage. Where's the remote on the TV? I want to see this show, all right? You see, you can do all the first part, but some of it really involves what I call getting dirty for God. And so that's a way to do that. Look at the verse, 1 John 3, 18. It says this, Dear children, let us stop just saying we love each other. Ooh. Let us really show it by our actions. Now I want to pause for a moment. Uh, Some of you women or wives that are listening to this, you're saying, I would just love for my husband to say he loves me. But maybe for you, his love language isn't going to be wrapped up in all the oohs of a sweet term and how you're the flower of his life and you're the sunshine of his day. But what he's going to do, he's going to be faithful to his marital vows. He will fix anything that's around the house. He will take care of the kids when you're unable to do that. He will bring stuff home from the grocery store when you forget on his way home from work after working many hours. He will define that way, that he loves you by that. And for a moment, maybe you're going to have to say that's his way to say that, that I'm the flower of His life and the sunshine of His day. But now let me say this to you guys. I know how hard it is to work and the things that you do and the sacrifices. That's a word. Sacrifices that you make and I celebrate you for doing that. But maybe your greatest sacrifice is for you to say, sweetheart, I love, I love, I love, I love you. You might That might be the hardest thing you ever do. But I'm going to tell you that in the midst of everything you else can do, they might need to hear that as well. But, let's go back to this, a lot of times we can say all the right words, send all the notes, do all the huggy touchy feely things, but at the time when they really need the greatest work, we don't do that. Would you look back over at that little graph there again, the poor to the great, how would you relate yourself at showing compassion, suffering with the other person to the point that you're going to do something whatever it takes to let them know that you love them by your deeds. So how would you rate yourself? One poor, ten great. Where are you on that? And then if you'll come back and ask yourself, if my mate or my family or my roommate or my boss or my fellow workers or my classmates, where would they rate me on this? Now as you go through those, whatever they might be, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is right there to help you. And remember, we're not doing it just so we can have a more pleasant home. We're doing it for the glory of God and obedience to Him so when the world looks at us, when our world is all goofed up with a lot of instability, that they would see there are Christians and my, how they love one another. Now those of you who might be our guests or listening on the radio for just a moment, you might have listened to these three things and it's real easy to hear those. And you know, it's human nature to say, I, I do these things. And our mind will go to all the good times that we have done it. And I want to celebrate that. And I'm so glad you did that. But I would like for a moment for you to just, in the privacy of your car or listening to me today or wherever you might be, could you at least for a moment just humble yourself and say, you know, I, um, I know that I'm better, but I know that I'm, I'm not perfect. And if that's your case, then what I'm going to tell you right now might sting a little bit, but if you listen to me, I'm going to remove the sting forever. The sting is this. God expects you to be 100% perfect in your thought, talk, and walk. He expects me to be the same way. And He has His divine standard. And He has said every person who's ever lived has broken or violated that divine standard, no matter how good they are in any of the areas even we talked about today. So what that's telling you is that nobody is that good, and therefore we're all condemned. And because we're all condemned and we're all failing that perfection, No matter what we might try to do, even from today's message, this will not, this will not, this will not help us get into heaven. And Jesus knows that, but he's not this mean God who says, see, you fail, that's it, everybody's going to hell, forget you. He says, no, I want you to have a relationship with me, I want your sins forgiven, I want you to have a home in heaven. And he says, now here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to take everything you've ever done wrong, all the times that you did not show these things to other people, your sympathy, your devotion, your compassion. When you did not do that, he says, I'm going to take everything you've done wrong and put it on myself. And when he died, he died for every sin you've ever committed, past, present, and future. So he was your substitute. He died in your place. He rose again from the dead. So now your ticket to heaven was paid for by Christ. And he says, now I'm offering that to you, not by any good deeds you do to get it. He says, I'm giving it to you as a gift. But for you to have that gift, you have to receive it. And now, here's the good part. This is where I told you i take away the pain forever. He says, it's nothing you do. All you have to do is to believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. And by your faith in Him, not by your works, He says you can have everlasting life. Now that's important because now you know that once you trust in Him, by faith alone, you will never perish. You'll have everlasting life in heaven. You'll have that relationship now and a home waiting for you in heaven when you die. So I hope you trust Christ as Savior. Since the majority of you are Christians, instead of just saying, yep, my sins are forgiven, you know, business as usual with these things, I want you to know that he wrote these things for a purpose. I hope he didn't waste his time. I hope as we read these things we would say, I want him not only as my Savior, but I want to please him in heaven because of what he's done for, for me. And he has now told me what I can do. How I can say thank you to him for what he's done for me on the cross. And one thing he said is that I would look at this and with tremendous sympathy, I would look at the people around me and try to build a better relationship with them by feeling their pain, understanding where they're coming from, listening to them and figuring out how that I could add value to their life or that together we could make things work. Or secondly, how that I could prove my commitment to one another. I want to be committed to that person. Now think about it for a moment. Are you going to be that committed? One of the things I I often do, and I prayed with our speaker this week, Larry Moyer, who spoke, as I prayed, I prayed for a couple of things. I thanked God in our prayer with him together. I thanked God for his faithfulness to the word of God. I thanked him, the Lord, for his faithfulness to the gospel, his faithfulness to Jesus Christ. And then I thanked him for his faithfulness, not to his wife, but to his marital vows, And when you're faithful to your marital vows, then you will be faithful to your wife. When you break with your mate, you've really broken yourself because you made a vow. And some of you have made some bit of a contract or covenant or agreement that you're my friend. Well, you might not have said it in the forsaking all others for you alone, but you've made some bit. You've left the impression, I will be your friend. And maybe for you, you need to be faithful to your own word and what you can do is to be devoted to them and loyal and figure out how to make that work. Sometimes it's painful, sometimes it takes time to heal. And then finally, it'll always take some work, the compassion. So think about that and let's go on this journey together. Three words, sympathy, devotion, compassion. Next week, we got three more. It's doable and the results are fantastic. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. This is our time to really say to the Lord, Lord, I asked you in a song I sung today, change my heart, oh God. And so Lord, I I asked you to change it so I could be more like you and you told me how I could be more like you. Lord, you sympathize with me, you know every bit about me. Why I do what I do and all of that, so Lord, you've demonstrated your sympathy to me. You know me and Lord, you're devoted to me. You never gave up on me when you're drawing me to Jesus Christ. You never gave up on me, Lord when I trust you as Savior and I, I stepped in it afterwards, you never kicked me out of your family. You're devoted. You're loyal to me. You will never leave me nor forsake me. You're my model. And Lord, there's no one who has demonstrated more compassion for me than you when you did the greatest, most painful work for me toward my greatest need, when you died a horrible, horrible death on the cross, the pain and shame so that I could have everlasting life. Now, the Lord has has done that for you and me, and if you're here today and you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, then why don't you receive the one who is that sympathetic, devoted, and compassionate as your Savior, as the one who died and rose again. Would you simply say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong, but the best in a how, I'm trusting Jesus Christ to give to me eternal life. If you'd like for me to pray for you with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone with that silent, uplifted hand indicate to me that you're trusting Christ? If you want to, you can put it on our guest card. Just write your, your name there, phone number, and then say, I trusted Christ. There's even a box there on that card. You can check if you'd rather do that. Now, Christians, how many of you can look over relationships that you have and you know that it needs a little bit more work on the, on the area of being more sympathetic of what are they going through? What kind of a person are they? What do they struggle with? And Maybe you've done it before and you're burned so badly you've given up, And maybe you need to go back to that. How many of you need to be committed now, that devoted, that loyalty? Instead of dissing on your maid or your roommate to other people that you take care of it between you and them and God or a counselor and work it out because you're committed to that And then finally, compassionate. I I don't have any specific person really in mind or specific deed you have to do, but all of us perhaps the Spirit of God would be speaking to and know "What, what, what have I not done, what do I need to keep doing whether they see it or not and just believe that God sees your heart. He sees the reality of what you're doing and that's good enough for you. How many of you would like to have prayer because this is an area in your own life that you want to have victory in? And you want to be known for this. Sympathy, devotion, compassion. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all? God bless you. Father, I pray that our church would be known for these things because these are Christ-like qualities. And that, Father, because they are, then all the power is in Christ who lives within us. And we can now do this as we exchange all that. And so, Lord, help us. And I know you're going to test us. I I, I I can only imagine that we made the commitment, so now you're going to show to us how real it is. You already know what it is or not. You're going to show to us by testing us. And so, Lord, help us to pass that test for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear.